The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today with another trailblazing innovator. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Doug Dietzman, Executive Director of the Great Lakes Health Connect. Doug, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Happy to be here. Well, thanks so much for making the time today. Before we start our discussion, could you take a few seconds and tell the audience about you and your background? Sure. I've been in healthcare for over 25 years in one form or another with Great Lakes as its Executive Director. Been with it since its inception back in early 2009 into 2010. Prior to that, spent some time with a couple of the national consulting companies and worked with a couple of the large health systems here in Michigan. So a lot of good background that's proven to be very valuable as we talk about health information exchange and how all the various stakeholders need to come together to create these care-connected communities. Exactly. And then could you next take a couple of minutes and provide our audience with a 10,000-foot overview of Great Lakes Health Connect? Sure. Great Lakes Health Connect is... Michigan's largest health information exchange. We have 129 hospitals participating in the network, represents 85% of the acute care beds in the state. Also have 4,000 other offices or affiliate locations connected to one or more of our solutions. We've been in business officially as a nonprofit here in the state since 2010, incorporated in March of that year. And we uh, started, perhaps uniquely from many, with no federal or state funding. In fact, today we are without those as well. And we have built the business the old-fashioned way, believing that we need to create services and solutions that our participants are willing to pay for, or there's no real reason for us to exist. So we've been focused in that vein since the beginning and have grown it now to really cover the vast majority of the state and working on figuring out how to make it real on the ground. Outstanding. I'd love to hear that. Doug, we first reached out to you because we do a series of shows every year in preparation for HIMSS, and we noticed that you've been selected to present at HIMSS 17 in Orlando. Could you start by telling why you think attending and presenting at HIMSS is important? Well, HIMSS is really the granddaddy show of the year. I appreciate being able to go down and have my peers as well as really the rest of the industry there to be able to interact with, learn from. And so for us, having the opportunity to add to that educational environment, share what we're doing, give back a little bit for what I've learned from others over the years is valuable. We aren't an island unto ourselves. We're not going to figure out all of this on our own. And so the collective thinking of the industry and having everybody share what they're doing certainly helps us. And hopefully our story can help others a little bit as well. And what will your topic be? What are you going to be sharing at HIMSS 17? We're going to be sharing a use case and story from one of the community mental health organizations that we've been working with now for a while. 
And with the various challenges that behavioral health and or substance abuse can bring from a consent standpoint and some other things, there are things that we can do to move the ball forward and better inform our community mental health partners. So we're going to be sharing what we're doing there, let them talk really about their business and what they're trying to accomplish and how the health information exchange is helping them to be able to do that better. One of my old health consulting buddies told me, put the cash register right at the beginning of the line. So I'm going to do that with this question here, Doug. Can behavioral health information really be seamlessly and securely integrated into HIEs? It can. It has to be done carefully. I think when we talk about the two major worlds of health information exchange, there are things that we push around and there are things that we want to query. When we're talking about being able to use the exchange to more efficiently push data where the patient has consented for it to go, there's lots of opportunity to connect the behavioral health world into the physical health environment and be able to make sure that we're efficient in how that happens. Our referral platform, we've got almost 1,300 folks across the state, our offices in our closed-loop referral network. How referrals work, either from the physical health getting to the behavioral health or the behavioral health getting folks to the appropriate services in the physical or social service setting, are all things that are perfectly good under today's consent model. So there's tremendous opportunity there. Where it gets tricky is in the query world. And so there are certain things that we're not doing there, but what we can do, and I think a big part of the story that you'll hear from us at HIMSS is how we can make the physical health record available to the behavioral health providers in a way that helps them be better informed on the patient's clinical context and do a better job in what they're trying to do from a behavioral health standpoint to treat that patient. And collectively, there's, as I said, there's just a lot there that we can do without getting into some of the thornier issues. Right. Just for some context, could you describe Great Lake Health Connect's Longitudinal Health Record Repository? I believe you call it the Virtual Integrated Patient Record for our audience. Sure. Yes, that's it. Viper, affectionately known. It's a pretty traditional record. We have 7.2 million persons represented in that record today. We have over 80 facilities or other organizations contributing data to it, between 7.5, 8 million clinical messages a month are flowing in. It contains the events, so ADTs, all of the lab radiology, transcribed documents, whether it's discharge summaries, other clinic notes that might be available from the facilities, include CCDs from not just the hospitals, but increasing number of ambulatory environments, as well as the long-term post-acute world. We're getting MDS and OASIS information translated into CCDs for posting within the exchange. And then we've also worked with a couple of our communities that are involved in efforts to define an end-of-life conversation in the advanced care documents and documenting wishes, the important place that that has. Once you've had the conversation, the question is, where do those documents get put so that they're available? And to date, it's been the car glove box or the freezer or different creative places that they've been. But we're also putting those documents into the exchange right alongside the clinical information so that wherever a patient may go, these care plans, advanced care documents are available as well. So all of that kind of is encompassed within Viper right now. Great. And with that, Intrepid Healthcare will return with our guest, Doug Dietzman, right after this quick break. We'll be right back. The innovators at Velocity Health Informatics are focused on ensuring that your healthcare providers will access the correct patient record containing the right data every time. Guess what? This is not a given. 
5 to 10% of all medical records have duplicates, and an even greater percentage have incorrect information. Don't we owe it to our patients to make sure that clinical errors are not made due to poor data quality and the lack of interoperability between their providers' EMRs? Velocity is the only innovator that can bring you health information as a service, which includes data quality, medical record remediation, and data integration as a service. And clients are raving about the results. Learn more now by going to www.velocityhealthinformatics.com. And we're back with Doug Dietzman, Executive Director of Great Lake Health Connect. Doug, on our show, we've deemed that interoperability is a four-letter word because of all the frustration related to the word, the concept, that we actually don't have very much of it. Why is it insufficient to think of interoperability as the ability for different information technology systems to communicate? Well, I think it defines the problem as primarily being a technical one. And while clearly there are technical components to interoperability, simply connecting two systems so that they can exchange data doesn't consider the workflow, doesn't consider the context with which that conversation needs to happen. What two systems need to communicate if on one end is a primary care physician, on the other end is an oncologist, is completely different than the data, what would need to be shared if it's a behavioral health provider sending something over to a different specialty. So there are so many contexts that come into it that just trying to boil it down to a technology problem. And if we can just wire systems to talk to each other, our problems will be solved. Really doesn't address some of the core differences and the realities, frankly, on the ground as to what needs to be done. Yeah. And in fact, I guess I'll look for your reaction. The technical part of interoperability is easy. We've got smart technologists that can connect systems and make them talk to each other. In fact, I was on an early HIE project in Brooklyn, New York, and the technical part of connecting many different types of facilities was actually not that difficult. It was the political problems, how the data is structured in different organizations, et cetera, that proved to be, at that time, insurmountable. I know they've overcome those over the years in Brooklyn, but there's much more to peel that onion, as you suggest. Yeah, I agree. And with all the changes that are happening to how care is financed and how it's being organized, I often say that the business of medicine has been thrown in the air, the clinical practice of medicine and how it's organized have been thrown in the air. And yet we want to apply technology to all of that chaos and have it just fix everything. We're very, very good as an industry when we have a clear business process of bringing technology to best enable that. And I think as things get clarified. And I think what you'll hear in our conversation with Washtenaw at HIMSS is we took a very defined process that was clearly understood what they're trying to accomplish. And in that context, we're able to bring the technology to bear in ways that actually solved a real problem. And the more we can do that across the state and across the country, I think things will start to clarify and be better. Doug, I want to throw this out for you just because you're probably a better expert than me, but as I've been really grappling with this problem of interoperability lately, working with some of my clients and other guests to talk about it, I'm wondering if we shouldn't build interoperability locally and 
merge it together regionally and statewide and multi-statewide rather than these efforts of thinking of interoperability as this big national thing that has to be cracked first. What if we solve 99% of the use cases where I just need all my records to be known throughout the city of Mobile, Alabama, and then the lower portion of the state of Alabama, and then the Gulf Coast, rather than worry about through the United States first, because we get caught up in too many problems when we think about nationally first. Is there any credibility to that thinking, or am I off base? No, I think so. I think standards in other places have often formed by what's working on the ground, and it just continues to work for a wider number of people. Most of healthcare is very local. If we can't figure out how to refer patients and coordinate that care across the street, it doesn't really matter what we can do with them when they're down in Florida for the winter. So I think as we build these networks locally and figure out how to solve the real problems and and make it happen in a a value-add way locally, then we can start to think about how do we connect those networks to each other in contiguous states and kind of let it go from there. I'm on the board of the Strategic Health Information Exchange Collaborative, CHIC, and one of the efforts that we have is something called Patient-Centered Data Home, where it is in fact taking Great Lakes Health Connect and figuring out how do we connect that network intelligently with the other networks that are operating in the Midwest so that as patients do move, we have the opportunity to share that data, but it's driven first and foremost by having a solid network at home. Then we can figure out how we need to extend and talk to the networks that are close by or beyond. Outstanding. Thanks for that. I want to switch gears back to Hims for the remainder of our interview. What else do you hope to accomplish while you're at Hims 17 in Orlando? Well, I always enjoy visiting my vendor friends and seeing what new is on the horizon. As I said, things are moving so fast with payment reform and other things. I think getting the latest pulse on what CMS is doing, where the ONC is going, by that time, we will have gone through this very entertaining an important political season and probably have some uh, thoughts as to what's going to be coming next. I think that'll be fun to see as well. And then finally, do you have any tips for HEMS goers? I have found that for me, it can be very overwhelming. So for me, want to have a plan. Who do I want to see? What is it I'm specifically there for? The years I've gone without a plan, there are so many things to look at and talk to that I bounce around a little. So I think picking something, whether it's a particular type of technology solution that you want to research, everybody's there to talk to, or whether it's a particular topic, I would just have a plan going in and then milk it for everything you can while you're there to focus on that one topic and really immerse yourself in it. Really great advice. Thank you for that. Before we let everybody go, I want to remind everybody to go out right now, take your keyboard, type www.gl-hc.org. Learn more about the great things that Doug and his team are doing at Great Lakes Health Connect. Doug, it was so great to have you on the show. Thanks for stopping by and sharing your wisdom and your plans for Him 17 I really appreciate the opportunity, Joe. Thank you. Oh, it's totally our pleasure. And that wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guests, Doug Dietzman, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare.